McCown Gordon Construction opened its Manhattan office in 2014, responding to business growth and client demand. The team is focused on engaging with communities in Manhattan and throughout the state of Kansas to bring projects to life. They are here to be your partner and view every project through a customer-centric, future-focused lens. Learn more at McCownGordon.com. Hello and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for this segment is Charlotte Meisenheimer. Hey, Charlotte. Hey, Jason. We have a great guest with us today. And I know I always say that all our guests are great, and they are. But today, I'm really excited because we have Carrie Winner from Florence Manufacturing. Hey, Carrie. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Carrie also is the chair of your Women in Business Committee. Right, which is why I'm super excited that she's here. And we had a big Women in Business event this week. We did. And a resolution rendezvous was last night. And we had over 50 women there to set their business resolutions for the year. And the cool thing, I think, um, and Carrie was there, so she can certainly tell too, but JNC Imaging comes and captures their uh, resolution for the year in, in a black and white photo that they get for um, to remind themselves the whole year. So it's yeah. cool. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's don't jump ahead of ourselves. Oh, it's so exciting. I, the question. <laughs> I, know. I know. Carrie was also on the committee that hired me. So our, she was on the That's right, committee. That's right, I was. And, was I on the, and she that. was on the board at that particular moment. And so I'm very happy to have her here. I would like you to start. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. Well, I am a Kansas native. Um, I grew up in a small town north of Manhattan in Washington County. So not too far away. Um, graduated from Bethany College in Lindsburg, Kansas. And my husband and I decided after that that we were going to move around for a little while, experience different places. Um, and we did. And um, then we decided we had a daughter who was in sixth grade, our oldest at the time. And we were in Kansas City. And we were talking about where do we want our daughter to go to middle school and high school, you know, kind of the important years of in their development and stuff. So as we were talking about it, we, we decided we wanted our children to have some of the small town values that both he and I um, grew up with and decided to look in this area. And luckily, we both found jobs in close to Manhattan. And we moved here, and that was back in 2004. So it's been a while now. Wow, you're nearly two decades in. Can you believe it? I can't. It's It's it's, blown by. Yeah, it always does, right? A lot of people don't know what Florence is or where they are. And so I'll have people sometimes say, where's that? And I'll say, you know, when you land at the airport, that great big building that's out (laughs) by the airport, that's Florence Manufacturing. They go, oh, what do they do out there? So talk about what Florence Manufacturing does and then talk about your role in the company because I know that recently changed. You know, it pains me when because I, I get that question too when I talk about where I work and I work at Florence Manufacturing and people say, what, who's Florence Manufacturing? And, you know, considering, so for me, I've been there since um, 2005. So, and Florence has been here since 2003. So for some time. And so I always say, you know, we're the mailbox manufacturer. Now people start to listen. They're like, oh, I do know a little bit about, you know, that we had a mailbox uh, manufacturer here. So, 
Um, Florence, we make the centralized mailbox units, um, which it's uh, made of aluminum. They're the ones that are in, you know, new housing developments, um, apartment buildings, businesses, places like that. It's not the single delivery point mailboxes. Although we do have, um, Florence is part of a large public company. It's um, Gibraltar Industries. Their headquarters is in Buffalo, um, New York. And it's a billion dollar company. And um, they have a group of companies um, that they now put together. And we're part of a group called Mellon Package. And that group has um, two companies that make the single delivery mailboxes. And then they also have a company that makes electronic parcel or package lockers, which is actually made here at Florence too. We sell and distribute in all over the United States. Now, are those called cluster mailboxes? I've they are. And you know, my mailboxes. kids give me a hard okay. time about this because they are called, we call them in... Um, CBUs, which are cluster box units. And so every time we travel, I'm always pointing them out, you know, to my kids like, hey, that's a CBU. And they're like, mom, what is a CBU? But it is, I'm impressed, Jason, that you knew it was uh, thanks, the cluster Stacey box. maybe told me that. Stacy Colmeyer, of course, uh, who's also on the exec committee of the chamber and works at Florence. So I think, I think she's the one that told me that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. My kids don't like to hear about my job either. So I, I don't, know. don't feel like, don't feel, don't uh, feel offended by the fact that they don't like to hear about my job. I know. Or sometimes I'll take pictures because I'm like, oh, we need to change that or, you know, fix that. So, so we do that too. But so my role um, with Florence is part of the group. Um, I'm the vice president general manager for the business. And um, like I said, I've been with the business since 2005, but I've had different roles in the company. Um, in the past, um, I've been mostly on the financial side of the business, but as of January 1, I was promoted to uh, vice president general manager. So that's kind of what I do. So what are the, some of the positive elements and then the challenges of doing business in Manhattan for a manufacturer? You know, one of the things that's really attractive to in Manhattan is that we have a workforce that's a really hardworking, dedicated workforce. You can tell how much they care about the people they work with and how they care about us as a company as well. And, you know, one of the examples of that, and it's just been amazing to me, um, as we've went through COVID, you know, you hear about um, all of the dedication of, that workers have had, you know, whether it's healthcare workers or, you know, um, doctors, um, teachers, and, and, and we do have dedicated workers. But in manufacturing, from the day COVID started, we've remained open as a manufacturer and our workers have shown up every day. Now we have some employees are remote, but in production, you can't manufacture, you know, without our employees and they have stuck it out. And we've introduced a lot of changes to them too. I mean, we've had to change shift times so that we didn't have everybody clocking in at the same time. So we had to spread those times out and impact how the times they come to work and when they leave. And, you know, we have longer hours because the demand, you know, when everyone started staying at home, um, people started buying mailboxes and because they had time to install a mailbox. It's like other residential products, right? You know, we're going to renovate, we're going to do, you know, do it yourself kind of things. And mailbox was part of that. And um, so our demand increased and our employees had to work more, but they, they did. And I think that just speaks to, you know, the workforce that we have in, in this area. We also have, you know, Kansas State and um, I was talking earlier about an open, you know, with each of you about open positions that we have. And when we have the opportunity with Kansas State being in our community to hire individuals who are more technically trained or, you know, have higher technical training. And we have jobs in our business that have require higher technically trained skills. So um, having um, K-State in our area is really helpful to our business, too. As far as the challenges, you know, we had this challenge before covid but it's um, worse now, and it's really workforce availability. 
we have other challenges too, but I would say that's the number one issue that we face. As we've, as our business has grown and demand has increased, we need, we have more opportunities for, for, we have more jobs and um, it's been hard to really fill those open positions. And we hear that from a number of businesses and, 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 and I'm not, certainly not making light of it. And it's why we have dedicated roughly now about um, 25 to 30% of our economic development resources on attracting and retaining people. Cause we understand that mm-hmm. those go hand in hand with jobs. And so, um, but it's, it's a challenge across, certainly across Kansas, but I think really globally now, it just Absolutely. seems to be we are uh, not a alone. challenge. So about supply chain or is, have you had some challenges with supply chain through the pandemic and is it getting better? Is it kind of staying the same? What's that been like? Um, the supply chain has definitely been challenged. I mean, there's been times when, you know, we've um, had interruption in production because of it. The supply chain challenges are both in supply and then also in input cost. Um, you know, we, most of our mailboxes are made out of aluminum, um, you know, some steel and commodities have been just, you know, crazy um, in terms of, yeah, and unpredictable. And that's, that's been hard too, but, um, you know, some of those issues are getting better. I think the supply chain issues are improving. Some of the input costs are, are still not, but I think they will settle down here as, as we get further into 2022. So big picture, why is manufacturing important to a community? One of the things I would say is um, manufacturing jobs are um, important because they provide, you know, jobs to hardworking, you know, the middle uh, skilled workers that have upward mobility. In Manhattan, we employ uh, 250 full-time employees. I think sometimes people are surprised by that too. Like you have this mailbox company and, and um, what is it? you know, what does it do? And, you know, we have 250 jobs, um, you know, in our organization and we have temp workers as well. And when you look at some of the jobs, it's also a broad range of jobs. You know, we have accounting, finance, you know, operations, supply chain. We talked about that. We have engineers, whether it's mechanical design um, who design our products or manufacturing engineers, industrial engineers, and how many businesses in our community provide all of those different types of jobs. Um, you know, right here in our community. So um, that's part of manufacturing is part of what we do. And, and um, that's important to our, to our community. Yeah. And I think we have to be real careful not to pigeonhole ourselves into, we only have these kinds of businesses because as you go back to the labor situation, you know, we, right now we are challenged for healthcare workers. Well, you may be trying to attract a particular healthcare worker, but their spouse has a job in manufacturing. And I mean, it just, there's a lot of reasons why you need to make sure that your, your economy is diversified and, and we're pretty reliant on technology and government and those kind of jobs. And I think having a well-rounded economic uh, landscape, I think is better overall for all of us. Oh, and I think, you know, and that was going to be the other part of it for manufacturing. I think it's critical that in our community that we have that diverse mix, um, you know, as as we face different, um, you know, economic situations, you know, what happens at the university might be different than what happens at Fort Riley versus what happens in our, you know, manufacturing companies. And um, but to have that diverse mix of businesses is will help us. Our tax base is different, too, based on, you know, our different um, industries. So, uh, yeah, I think it's critical to have that diverse mix. 
Why did you all decide to get involved and continue your involvement in the chamber? We talked about workforce availability and, um, you know, the challenges that we have there. And Jason, you mentioned that's, you know, obviously a part, um, I think you said, what, 25, 30 percent of our investment going forward is going to help with that. That's I mean, that's one of our biggest challenges, and that's what we need help with. The other thing the chamber does is the chamber is here to help us have a community where people want, you know, create a community where we want to work and live. And if we want to attract the workforce that we need, we have to have a community that thrives in that area. That's what the chamber is about. You know, being a part of the um, chamber for us is just helps us do um, business better. We talked just briefly about this as we started. You were an instrumental part of beginning the Women in Business program that we have at the Chamber. Why was that important to you to get that started? The first reason is um, I have two daughters of my own. Um, mm-hmm. They, I'm always talking to them about, you know, setting the example, going for your um, dreams. You know, don't stop. Don't let anything limit you. And um, realizing that... Um, you can you can make a difference and you know women in business that's what we try to do too is you know help inspire other women to um, you know make a difference in their business and in our communities and um, so I, I definitely want to do it for that reason I think also you know getting involved in women in business I love to talk about business we haven't talked about business a lot here today you know we talked a little bit about what Florence does and Gibraltar and stuff but I love to talk about business I love listening to others talk about business when we get a chance to be in women in business and listen to others talk about other industries, that helps me too in, right. in the industry that I'm in, I mean, even if it's different because we can learn from each other. And um, it's just an environment where we have an opportunity to talk business and and how can we learn and grow together. I love that you are at my chair for that. So it helps us you know, go forward with that in that area. So why do you feel that women in business is important to Manhattan overall? It's a forum where we get a chance to, um, like I mentioned, talk about business, but also to support each other. You know, last night was kind of a a great example of um, how um, we can support each other in our goals as we try to develop and and grow as leaders. Um, I was, you know, sat around a table with a number of women who were talking about what their word was um, and why they chose that word, you know, and then we talked about how we had these pictures taken of our word. And I hope that each of us, by the word we choose, will be able to act differently, you know, throughout this year and remind ourselves and each other of that. Right. Um, and hold ourselves accountable to, you know, going after it, you know, whatever that happened to be. It was a great evening, great event. It was. What was your word, Charlotte? It was forgive. Oh, yeah. nice. That's, that's actually probably good, a good news for me because <laughs> there you because go. Because Charlotte has to forgive me a lot. I so, do not. So talk a little bit about that because we, we, we touched on it briefly at the beginning, but talk about resolution rendezvous and what exactly that is and, and, um, if somebody, obviously we just had it, but right. somebody wants to get involved, we have it every January. So maybe talk about yeah. that. So it started about four years ago. Um, and, and we sat down and said, as women, um, a lot of times we have a tendency and, and I think everyone does, but I think women have a tendency to pigeonhole their January resolutions and to, I'm going to, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to walk. I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to cook dinner with organic food every night. You know, things that last a couple of days in our world. It looks good on paper type of a thing. I mean, I I don't know. Um, But we never really stop and go, what is my, what's my business resolution? And not, not a resolution that's based on what someone else wants for us, but what is, what do I want to accomplish in my business this next year? How do I want to look 
a year from now. And that was kind of the challenge last night was when you come through the door next year, who is that woman going to be? And, and how do we, you know, we go for that. So um, for me, it was, uh, my word was forgive. Um, so part of that is just forgiving myself for some mistakes that I make, um, forgiving um, different things that happen around, but just that it's forgiveness is okay, you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of different areas. What was your word? My word was courageous. Ooh. Yeah. And where did that come from? And, you know, for me, it came from, I recently accepted the, you know, opportunity to be yeah. vice president general manager for, you know, um, the Mellon Package Group. And um, it's not always easy, right? You know, when you're in charge. And so I think there's going to, I'm going to need to have a certain amount of courage and be courageous this year for that. Well, I can't wait to hear you. How about talking about like this today? I mean, speaking on a, a podcast isn't my favorite thing to do, right? So. It was a good word for this too. And we appreciate you doing that. (laughs) Um, What do you think is the biggest misnomer about women in business? I think some people think that women in business is a time for women just to sit around and talk, you know, Um, but it's, and we certainly need time for that. And there's, there's networking that's involved. Right. But for me, it's, it's more than that. Every time I walk away from a women in business event, you know, whether it's, um, we have panel discussions with, um, about finances. That was one of our panels this year, right? right? Where we talked about the stock market. Yeah. What's, what is the stock market? What does it mean to us? You know, what should we be doing as, as young professionals, how should we be thinking about what we should invest in, what we shouldn't, you know, how do we, um, you know, make sure that, you know, we're building for whatever our future is and that we as women are participating in that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the panel discussions like that are, you know, I think every person in the room took away something from that right. discussion. You know, sometimes we'll have inspirational speakers in, you know, that just talk to us. We talked about health. We had a, you yep. know, kind of um, bringing some health of back our, to the workplace. Pre- yes. And um, that's been important, you know, with COVID, we've had so much isolation and, and things like that. I think that was a great discussion. So it's more than, women, you know, sitting around and talking. It's it's taking something away to make us better leaders, better community members, and just better moms. Right. Yeah. Better community people too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think I agree with you, Carrie, on the on all of those fronts. I think the biggest thing that people sometimes think is that it's an us versus them. It never has been, never will be, never we never want it to be. It was never ever that. Um, and it really is about making a network of women who can support each other and and have those opportunities. We just launched um, for 2022 our lunch bunches. Um yes. so that's really exciting. So those started a couple of years ago where we just put a group of people that don't really know each other together. There's 10 to 12 in a, in a bunch. And um, their role is they get together once a month for lunch and just get to know somebody different in a different environment. And what we've learned is that mentorships have come out of that and um, great opportunities to say, hey, I've got this, I've got a problem and I, I need some advice on how I would do that. And and I think that has proven to be very successful for us. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, I know we talk a lot in the chamber world about volunteers and time, talent, and treasure. I think sometimes we forget that time and talent are as important, if not more important than the finance side of it. And so we appreciate you yes. coming in because we know you're very busy in your career and th- coming in and leading this program because we think it's really important to our future. We have to get a lot more diverse in our membership. And so being able to create programming for a diverse set of individuals is important. And thank you for leading that. For and us. I appreciate being a part of it. So thank you for. So now is asking. the fun part. I, we, when we do our member spotlights, we do rapid fire questions. 
And Charla, I believe, has the list for today. I'll do my best. What are the three things you can't live without? Faith, family, fun. Do I have to explain any of these or just rapid fire answers? They're rapid fire answers. If you want to explain them, you can, but not necessarily. I'm going with those three. Best piece of advice you ever received? I've been around a lot of great people, so I've had a lot of good examples, but I'm going to go with a simple one, which is always be yourself, no matter where you are or what you do. Um, Don't forget who you are and just be yourself. Great advice. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Mm-hmm. For me, I have a very large family and we have a lot of traditions at Christmas. And so um, it's just a great time to carry forward those traditions. And it's one of my favorites. How large is large? Well, depends on how far out you go um, from my brothers and sisters. So I have three sisters and a brother on my side of the family, but um, both my parents had large families too. So when we have a get together at Christmas, our Christmas Eve, there's at least 50 of us. Wow. And we do a white elephant gift with 50 people. You know how long that takes? Yes, a long time. <laughs> a long time. You ring in uh, the new year easily of that, don't you? Yeah, by the time we get done. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what advice would you give the 19 year old you i would say don't take life too seriously um you have plenty of time for that and just take the opportunity to i try to tell my daughter my youngest this right now she's actually going to be 19 in a couple weeks but learn as much as you can from the people around you no matter you know how old right i have to remind her of that sometimes but um just learn as much as you can so you can take those nuggets of things that you learn and just be who you want to be favorite flavor of ice cream definitely reese peanut butter cup in vanilla ice cream that's my go-to every time that is my youngest stepson's favorite is it really oh yeah anytime we go to the store he he tries to get us to buy some best childhood memory all right this might surprise some people but for me it was so i I mentioned i grew up on a farm and for me it was feeding cows with my dad it was because we used to play this i don't know how many people have done this but um well you certainly do on vacation you know on, on vacation you go are we there yet and so when we were, when we would go feed the cattle with my dad, I have an identical twin sister. So we'd be in the, oh, in the track to get, you didn't? No. Yeah, something you didn't know about me. And so watch out because we do look alike, but no, so we'd play, when are we, are we there yet? And he would, we close our eyes and we'd be, you know, heading to um, the feedlot and he would try to, te- we'd, we'd be, have our eyes closed and he would tease us. Are we there? And he would turn and he would push on his brakes and he would, you know, do different things. And we'd have to guess if we were there at the feedlot, but it was a quality time. That was the most important part. You know, I think that I appreciate today is just that that quality time together. So just so we're aware, your twin sister lives in... In Topeka. Topeka. So if we're in Topeka and we think we see you... Yes, that's right. Please, be careful. Please forgive me if I don't acknowledge you. Be careful not to just go, hey, how's it going? And people do that all the time. And then sometimes she'll have to call and say, I'm, I ran into someone that knows you today, but they didn't tell me your name, but here's, here's what they look like, like brown hair. I'm like, that's not helpful. You have to be more specific. <laughs> Biggest lesson the pandemic taught you? Just make the best of, of what you have and don't take anything for granted. Look at how how many challenges so many people faced during during the pandemic. I've left, definitely learned to be more flexible um, and adjust. Who is someone you look up to? Again, a lot of people I could name, but I am going to say my dad. You know, because I grew up on the farm, um, he was a hardworking guy, taught us how to... Um, you know, work hard and, and just be committed to, you know, whatever, whatever you do. And even if we were down and he had a, 
you know, long day, which he had a lot of long days, he was there to pick us up. And I would say, yeah, by far, he's my, he's, your he's guy. the one. Mm-hmm. He's it. Texting or talking? Talking. It's, I mean, I do have to text today, but I will definitely go for talking. Favorite business book? For me, it was Leadership and Self-Deception. Have you read it? No. Oh, Sharla, you need to read this. Should it be our next Women in Business book? It, yes. Maybe. That's a good thought. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll we'll check it out. It's by the Arbinger Institute oh. is who I know, not, not like this, you know, most popular author that you would see. But you know what I liked about it is because when you talk about leadership and self-deception, so many times I think I think there's there's things going on around me. And and I think, oh, it's, you know, someone else is causing me to think this way or someone else is causing me to act this way. But what the leadership and self-deception is, is you're deceiving yourself if you think that it's, you know, always someone else. Most of the time it's it's you. It's how I'm reacting to the situation in the book you know, shows you to think differently about that. And it talks about how you have to get out of your box, you know, that we have these walls around us and this is how we think and get outside of the box and look in. You'll figure out how to change to work better with with people. And, you know, and it helps you it helps you personally, too. So it's a good, good combination. I'll have to look that up. Check it out. Well, Carrie, thanks for being with us today. We'll Thank look you. Look forward to a year of women in business. Looking forward to it. Thank you. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. I'm going to ask our producer, Dave Lewis, to hop on mic. Hey, Dave. Hey, glad to be on here. So we are wrapping up season one. This is technically our 21st episode, and uh, I thought it went really well. I, I, I learned so much. I mean, if you go back and listen to every podcast, you're going to pick up something especially some of the personal aspects, you know, I love the rapid fire questions that yeah, you do with, yeah. with some of our guests, some of the members, and, you know, you learn more about the personality, but, you know, you learn so much about the inner workings of what the chamber does. And I, I, I find it extremely informational. And that's what we try to do. And we want people to get to know our members. I think a lot of times people see the chamber as a faceless organization and not realize the chamber is actually a I think group it's the of other way around of 800 members. Right? Yeah, I and think it's the other way around. When I go to a chamber event, I'm not necessarily there because it's a chamber event. I'm there because it's a people event. And, and you know, same with uh, going to uh, the annual meeting the other night with the banquet. You know, it's just so great to see so many people, especially after what we've been challenged with here over the last couple of years. So I equate faces to the chamber in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's what we want to try to do. So we decided to do this podcast. And of course I said, we got to call my good friend, Dave Lewis, but you have created a new studio, the Ad Astrocast Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about what you're doing here and, and opportunities for people who might want to get involved in podcasting. You know, when I first started getting into the idea of doing podcasting and, and, and I bought the equipment over two years ago, well over two years ago, and this is before the pandemic. So I was already uh, eyeing in mind, doing some podcasting and doing some other things. And my interest at the time was to do mostly some, you know, locally based historical people, people that I found to be, you know, fascinating stories. And then with the pandemic, everything just kind of got put on hold. And, you know, we're just trying to sift through and I utilize some of the equipment during that time to do virtual events for a number of organizations, including some chamber stuff. Uh, we did, uh, you know, a number of fundraisers for some nonprofits. There was uh, uh, the Flint Hills leadership class introduction 
came through as one of those events. And then as things started lightening up, was started talking with uh, Vern Hendricks of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. And Vern and I go way back and do a lot of things. And he started expressing interest in doing um, a podcast that we could spotlight some of the some of the nonprofit agencies, um, but also some of the people that are involved in the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation as trustees, as members of the board, maybe some, um, some of those who are, are very charitable. And you know, and I, I started looking at this this concept, and, and for me, the podcast business model that I've created is more of a podcast contractor. And I have several customers, including you and the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce, that uh, uh, contract with me to help maybe host or produce and post podcasts. And I have several clients. I have I started one now with um, uh, Senator Tom Hawk. We have Senator Hawk Talk. Uh, we have one that's just getting ready to launch on suicide awareness. And and this is coming from some grant monies from a number of organizations. And I'm working with Lori Bishop uh, as the lead on this. And I think that this has the opportunity to be really, really helpful because podcasts, you know, you can target a specific audience with your content like no other medium and still be able to probably get as much, if not more, than other types of media. And I just find this truly fascinating that it is it is so extremely open and well-rounded to be able to continue to, you know, build podcasts for businesses, any kind of organization for special interests. I still want to do some of the historical stuff. I want to do some travel stuff. And, uh, you know, so so we still have some interesting possibilities ahead. Going back to the Think MHK podcast, which is our podcast, and we mm-hmm. appreciate you producing that for us. Um, what are some of the things that highlights of the year that that you can remember? I like the rapid fire stuff. I think that that's one of the things I, I get a kick out of most because, you know, it's, uh, you know, and, and your guests come in with knowledge of what those questions are going to be. But still to hear their responses, it's just everybody is so different. In that, And I think that that's charming in a lot of respects. I've learned from a lot of people what really makes them tick. And there's a few guests that really kind of come to mind. I remember distinctly when Wayne Sloan came in. And one of the questions was uh, something that you feel like you absolutely must do. And his answer shouldn't have surprised me, but it did. And his answer was tithe. And I know you remember that because you were the one that was interviewing him. And that's so Wayne. A lot of people think that faith-based aspect is something that is, I think many of us look at from a very private perspective, but it also molds who we are as people. And that explains an awful lot about Wayne and his, um, and the work that he does, you know, outside of his construction company. Matt Crocker totally blew me away talking about financial matters. Uh, Sarah Siders is just a, a, a real treat to have her in. Bobby French, what an entrepreneur she has become. And just uh, someone who has, you know, really become a highly adored influencer. And, and roller derby person. Yeah. yeah. Who knew that? You know, and that's one of the other things, just kind of like, where did that come from? We don't see that out of her. Uh, Mark Bashamp and I go back a long ways, and it was great to have him in there. And I think one of the things about Mark was that I just really had a great amount of respect and appreciation for his vision. And he had a real progressive perspective on where he wanted to see the chamber's efforts to go while he was in the chamber chair's position. Uh, Mike Madsen is always fun to listen to. 
uh, Tara Grubb, who's another one who's just, you know, uh, you know, she just won the award for young business professional and, and, uh, you know, she just, uh, really, uh, is engaged with hype and what she's done there. Just, just some great leadership. And I think that that's one of the things that, that I took away most is the, the quality and the quantity of great leaders in our community that we've had here. From my standpoint, all the ones you talked about, I think were great. There were some people who I, thought I knew that I didn't know. Ron Fears one yeah. that I work with all the time. I had no idea some of the things around him going to work for the city of Manhattan. I thought that was interesting. I really enjoyed, and this is just a little bit, I think my personal um, things that I like to talk about. Uh, Dick Carter was a great yes. show and, yeah. and got a chance to talk about policy and some of the things going on at the state. And then on a personal standpoint of just people I think that were the easiest to interview, the Manhattan Brewing Company guys. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought they were hysterical, and uh, and that interview went so easy, and, and it was so much fun to do um, that I really enjoyed it. I do want to take this opportunity, and um, we have three co-hosts that are with me in every segment, and that's our directors, and it's uh, Sharla, Darren, and Karen, who mm-hmm. most people know in the community. But two people that you may not know were really did all the hard work on this project, uh, Dina Huff, who's our, dire- our director of communications and coordinated basically everything. And then Kara Ray, who um, is, is works in our communications division, and she's the one that made sure everybody got here on time. Every, all the thi- I had questions in front of me, all the things that, that, uh, that actually the logistics part of this that makes this run. So Dina, Dina, no and Kara easy did, job either. Dina and Kara did a great job, and, and I, and I want to make sure that I uh, shout out to them because they're not on. And one of the things I'd like to say also is that I really like how you uh, share all the podcasts on social media. You have an image, you got a cut of the audio from the interviews. And I think that that adds a lot of value and, and helps reach that audience. And we just hope that people go back and, you know, we're winding up season one. It's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot, but so much of the, the, the content of what we've had in season one is not time sensitive. So, I mean, you're, you're going to learn more about people. And when you learn more about some of these people, make sure you tell them. Absolutely. That I heard you on the podcast. Absolutely. That would be cool because that's uh, that's one of the things as a radio guy, it warms your heart like no other. Say, hey, I listen to you on the radio. And uh, I think it'd be cool to say, hey, Carrie Wetter, I listen to you on Think MHK podcast. Yeah. yeah. And I think I've had people who have come back to me and said that somebody must be listening because I've had several people say they heard me. So and that makes me feel good, too. So we're wrapping up season one. So with 20 episodes, uh, we will take a two month hiatus. Uh, we have already started our plans for season two, and we will look to launch that uh, sometime in May. So we that, this gives you a great opportunity to go back, listen to the 20 episodes. It'll be about 10 hours worth of listening, but that's just a couple of road trips or or a few miles around the track mm-hmm. and and really listen to about some of the people that that are in the chamber and our community leaders and, and the things that they believe in and, and some of the things that they've accomplished and then be, come back in May. We already have, I think it's probably too early to announce our first guest, but we have, leave a, them hanging, huh? but we have a really special guest for episode one of season two that I'm really excited about. And I know you all will be too. So thank you again for everything, uh, for joining us in the think MHK podcast from the at AstraCast studios. And we will see you in two months. 
McCown Gordon Construction opened its Manhattan office in 2014, responding to business growth and client demand. The team is focused on engaging with communities in Manhattan and throughout the state of Kansas to bring projects to life. They are here to be your partner and view every project through a customer-centric, future-focused lens. Learn more at McCownGordon.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.